Alrighty, let's get it started like we do every other Saturday. My name is Michael Mullis, president of Mortgage Teacher, and, well, that's exactly what we're going to do here today in this show, teach you things about your mortgage. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit different, a little bit be ready, put it that way. We're going to give you some good information on what a lot of people don't know about mortgages. Um, a lot of people just, you know, give me the give me the rate, here's my payment, there we go, pay the sucker off as fast as we can. I mean, put your hand up if that's you. I get it. I've talked to many people this week that said the same thing. I want to get my mortgage. I want to pay it down as quick as possible. So on today's show, that's what we're going to talk about, some different examples and and not just, you know, how to use your mortgage and use that equity and, and maybe build more of a plan. So let's go back to where I started. I'm Michael Mullis, president of Mortgage Teacher. And what the heck is Mortgage Teacher? Well, take a look. Google Mortgage Teacher and read what Londoners and locals are saying about the company ourselves. You guys are helping us out. What we are is a brokerage, a mortgage brokerage, so we can set up your mortgage. But where we differ is we're more of a planning company. How many times have you walked in to, say, your local bank, branch, credit union, even a broker, and, you know, they cough out a rate and a payment, you shake your head yes and move out? That is what we call a transactional experience. Go in, you get a transaction, you don't care who it's from, you don't care. I know everyone says, I want the lowest rate, I want the lowest rate. I mean, us Canadians sound like robots. But really, you don't want the lowest rate. You want to make sure you are paying the least amount of interest. I'm going to say that one more time. From now on, when you call in, don't ask for the lowest rate. Ask for the, you want to pay the lowest amount of interest. And I'll give you an example. Because I deal with all lenders, so all the major banks, all the trust companies, non-bank lenders, credit unions, we work with them all. We want to say we're unbiased. We kind of joke around the office. We don't really love one bank. We just have to pick one. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. I went and got my Volkswagen here in the city. Uh, Great service. Went and got my vehicle. Was signing all the paperwork. Lo and behold, I had a Bank of Montreal financing loan. I had no idea. I don't care. I don't bank at Bank of Montreal. Uh, I bank at, you know, some of my business is at TD, some at Scotia. And this loan was at Bank of Montreal. I don't care. It's just a car payment coming out of my account. Well, that's what's trending lately in mortgages. A lot of consumers aren't really taking the advice from the institution they're getting the mortgage from. I guess that seems to be sales or it's not ongoing. I know even in my history, I went and had a business plan and took out a bank loan. And when I followed up three years later with that same person, that relationship, that person wasn't there anymore. Therefore, I didn't have the same plan. And therefore, I had to start my whole story over again and tell it over again. Well, I didn't like doing that, and I don't think you should when acting on your mortgage. So that's exactly what we are. We are your relationship. So I've said that on here in the show before. Is your mortgage a transactional experience, or is it a planning experience, more like a relationship experience? Well, here's what I can say. I know a lot of the listeners here on 980. I know a lot are probably have more than 20% equity in their house. A lot of people have maybe bought in a house in the last couple of years for four to 500 and now it's worth, you know, six and 700. We know London has gone up in value. We also know a lot of us listeners here have, as I do, have a lot of equity in our house. So here's what you need to consider. How can you use that equity to get ahead? So I'll give you one example. I had a client call in Thursday morning. And they reached out through Google 
We're looking up, you know, mortgage advice, found mortgage teacher, read the reviews. So again, thank you, Londoners. And they called in. And they currently have a bank. Uh, they currently have a mortgage at a banking institution. It's up for renewal at the end of October, October 28th. So it was a rental property that they questioned about. So they said, you know, we have a rental that's up for renewal. And we just found out that it's a collateral mortgage. And I said, well, how does that make you feel? And they said, well, I'm actually very upset because the person that set up our mortgage didn't tell us any of that. Didn't tell us what could happen if we were to break the mortgage. Didn't tell us that it was a collateral mortgage that we couldn't put a lien. So it makes me wonder, why did they not tell you up front? I said, did you go back and talk to that person? They said, we tried. We can't find the person. They've moved to a different branch. And now they are a victim. Although they took the mortgage advice back then, now it's going to cost them more to leave that institution and get a lower rate somewhere else. So that's a perfect example of at the time they shopped for the best mortgage, they probably got it. But now at the end of the term, it's going to cost them a lot more. That's where the relationship needs to come in. A mortgage teacher would work from you, not just you shopping for a mortgage right now in the two weeks, not just the five-year term that you signed, but for the whole life of the mortgage, you can have one relationship. Whether you deal with Scotia, TD, a monoline like First National, whether it's a credit union like your neighborhood credit union downstairs here, no matter who it is, we can help facilitate that. And you have the same relationship. How many times do you hear people nowadays? I got a guy. I got a girl. That's what you need with mortgages. Because I have found, I mean, I'm a business owner in a couple of businesses. I have life insurance strategies to cover my family and my kids. I have a will designed to make sure that, you know, my family is safe if something were to happen to me. Not only are they insured, but the will is designed to, you know, divide the properties and the company. So I really found that when we get to the good time in our life, meaning we have equity in our house or we're going to invest, it seems we cover ourselves with trusted relationships. Okay, I'm going to say that again. When you start having some assets, say I, you have a couple hundred thousand to invest, is that going to be a transaction? Are you just going to go drop it on the desk of some institution and say, here, call me in a year, let me know how I do? I doubt it. You're probably going to have a guy or a girl, someone you trust, a relationship. If I'm going to give this money to you, I hope you can make me a 5% return and please follow up on how I'm doing. Same as an accountant. If you're a business for self and you have accounting in your books or you have a couple of rental properties, you know, some, some things that you need accounting services, is that a relationship? Do you follow up with your accountant to make sure that you know you're keeping your receipts or do they help you with planning and systems to help make their job easier when it comes to the year end? And accounting can be a relationship. Same as investing, same as life insurance. I have a life insurance broker that teaches me unbiased to make sure that I have the coverage proper on me, my family. Okay. So these are all relationship-based. Even my lawyer is a relationship to succeed my will. That's someone that I play hockey with and you know might have the odd beer here and there and I see regularly. So how come everything important in my life when I get some assets, everything important in life has a relationship tied to it? But I sit here and talk to clients and friends and networks and all my hockey groups and sports groups and I'm blown away of how many people don't have that relationship. So when it comes to getting a mortgage, think how handy that relationship would be because we know the banks are all about profits. When's the last time a bank called you and said, listen, if you break your mortgage now and take this variable rate mortgage, we can save you $16,000 
over the next two years. I do make those phone calls, and that's exactly what we do here to help make sure you pay the least amount of interest. So those are some of the strategies of why we differ. We are the relationship versus the transaction. Look at online, guys. We got Rocket Mortgage down the States. We got Rate Hub up here in Canada. Just go up and search lowest rate. Next thing you're, you know, you're dealing with 1-800 number up in Toronto. But no one's going to really help facilitate the ongoing relationship, just like these clients, to make sure that they're getting the best deal the whole term, the whole life of the mortgage, not just the term. Now, let's get on to a news break. If you're just tuning in, I'm Michael Mullis, president of Mortgage Teacher. Have a look. Beep us. I like that stuff. Look us up. See what we're doing at mortgageteacher.com. Look us up on Facebook. We always have contests, and we love to take Londoners out to the London Knights games. And, of course, you can phone us, 226-289-2991. I'm going to break, and we'll be right back. All right, here we go again. If you are still tuning in, thank you very much for not touching that dial. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to give you guys some good tips. If you are just tuning in, what I was speaking about before the break was a little bit different on how mortgage teacher works and what I see trending in the mortgage business. And what I mean about that, there's a lot of us that, you know, when we shop for a mortgage, it's a transaction. We just go get the lowest rate, sign it, and that's about it. But here at Mortgage Teacher, it's more like a planning service at no cost and no obligation. And we help advise and plan and help pay this mortgage off. I'm not going to lie. Over 80% of our clients put extra money on their mortgage. And that's really just as simple because we follow up. And when we follow up on your one-year anniversary, it's not, hey, it's been one year, you know, how's the house? It's how is that 850 biweekly going? We talked about an incubator strategy that, you know, maybe start putting $50 biweekly into that tax-free account over there, automated, of course, and I'll call you in another six months because you should have some money saved up, you know, at least 300 to $3,000, and we can put that down on the mortgage. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Well, we want to be there for you, not bug you and chase you, but at the same point, yes, help you prepay this mortgage and get you where you want to be. So I brought up one example of, you know, or some examples of how people were coming in this week, and one kind of caught my ear in particular. Um, we had a client that uh, they have a house they live in, and they're paying it down regularly. They also own a rental property here in the city of London, and they only owe about $110,000 on it. Well, that property, they bought it 10 years ago. They bought it for about 200 and something, and now it's worth 400 and something. So they have a rental property worth 400 and change, and they only owe 100000 So here's my take on it. They called up to just ask for the lowest rate. What's a quote on that? Because they're up for renewal with their current bank, and they're not really that happy with the rate that they heard. I said, you know, even from one rate to the other, on $124,000, I'm probably only going to save you $13 a month. Now, is that what I'm worth? If I do get someone that lower rate, they go tell all their friends, and mortgage teacher got me a lower rate, that's great. But really, I saved you $1,300. I know our services are free, so you don't have to pay for them, but I still feel we are a lot more valuable than that. So I said, can you give me a minute to teach it outside the box? I said, do you have an accountant, you know, that looks out for your family? I said, no, we don't. I said, hmm. So you have, you know, two two jobs and you have a rental property. And are you writing off the interest that you're paying? And they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, in Canada, if you borrow to invest, you get to write off all the interest. And she says, yes, I think we write off the interest of the 124000 I said, well, hear me out here. 
Because since we can't tax deduct the house we live in, but we can tax deduct the rental property, don't you think she should have her debt, this client, in the rental property? So here's what we came up with. What if you refinance the rental property because now you have a bigger mortgage on that? You take that money and you pay that down. Okay? So you take that money and you put that down on your owner-occupied house. So I'll give you an example. Say they do a refinance and if you borrow to invest. So what happens is they can refinance that rental property. Why? Well, for multiple reasons. For one, say they're bringing in income right now on the rental property. The problem with that is now they have to pay tax on the income. So if you're all making 60, 70 grand a year, you're in a higher tax bracket. All that income you're making off the rental, you're now paying tax on it. Well, that's not the smartest setup. What if you redesigned it, redesigned the mortgage and the rental so it's majority interest? You're not really bringing in income. Now what you've done is you could take 100000 off the rental, put it down on your owner-occupied house, the house you live in, pay it down much quicker because, yes, that's the debt you want to get rid of. That's non-tax deductible. And then now you have a bigger tax deduction created on your rental property. That's how it works. And at the same point, you're not making less or you're, you're writing off the interest and making less income. So this is the strategy you should be doing until later in life when you're at a lower tax bracket. For example, if your window is to have three different rental properties and you're living off of those and you're not working and, you know, the houses are paid off, that's fine because you're in a lower income bracket down the road. That's when you want to start taking in the income. Now, let's take this to a totally other level. Are you listening to the show right now and, you know, your house is worth anywhere from five to 700000 and you only owe two hundred to 300000 So we're at 50% equity. Yes, that's where I am now too. But I used to argue with my dad because my dad would say, you work, you pay that off, you get mortgage-free and enjoy your life. And I agree. I don't disagree with that. But that's like putting money in the bank account. So if I were to save up in a bank account, say I didn't own a house and I saved up $400,000 in my bank account, Would I just leave it sitting there in a savings account making, what, 0.25%? Or should I leverage that money and try to invest? That's where we come in as professionals. Do you have a financial planner on your behalf? Could he use some more money? I mean, stocks are pretty good out there, guys. The market's moving up. Now you can still borrow at 2 or 3%, and then you can invest at 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8%. You're going to create a tax deduction, so you're going to write off all the interest. And plus... You can create a big retirement plan. And the magic with this, so I'll give you a quick example. If you want to read about this, I have a ton of history with the gentleman that helped write the book. His name is Fraser Smith. He passed away years ago. Nice gentleman. Kind of reminded me of Santa Claus. Not because of his giving, but that too. But how he looked, I'm not going to lie. Big guy, big white beard. Guy you wanted to give a hug to. Anyway, Fraser wrote this book called The Smith Maneuver. Get a pen, get a paper, write it down. The Smith Maneuver. It's about creating the tax-deductible mortgage, and it all was created back in the year 2000, 2001. Now, I know we all hear about these products, and a lot of you listeners probably have a product like this. I can't stand them, but you can use them for the right reasons. But unfortunately, the banks teach us to use them for the wrong reasons. The all-in-one, the HELOC, the STEP program. Basically, You have a line of credit attached to your house somehow. Very, very dangerous. Of course, a bank will sell it to you because a mortgage is a lower interest rate and your interest is only compounded twice a year. If you borrow that same $100,000 on a line of credit, well, 
Now you're doing prime plus one or two. So you're paying 4.7 or 5.7 on the money. And this will make your stomach turn. And it's compounded 12 times a year. Think about basic high school math, guys. If you, yeah, that's great on an investment. You want the interest compounded so you make money on your interest. But when that's working against you, you want it compound the least amount. So, of course, the convenience of the line of credit is just that, the convenience. That's why we all fall for it. Here's the line of credit. Okay, that's nice and easy. But next thing you know, you call up mortgage teacher in two years because this is what we hear. Mike, we go through our mortgage. I mean, I can afford the payments, but man, I'm on a money treadmill. Here's the mortgage, but I got this $40,000 line of credit, this $80,000 line of credit. Now, here's what should be done with that. The Smith Maneuver is... As you pay your house down, you re-advance it to invest. Now, here's the magical thing, and I'll be quick with this. Say I'm paying $1,000 on my mortgage. So say I owe $200,000. Now I owe $199, then $198, then $197. I'm sure you get it. At the same point, I have a line of credit at the back end. That means my line of credit went from $100 up to $101, up to $102, because every time I paid down my mortgage $1,000, my line of credit availability becomes available the next day. Now, what we're supposed to do is take that availability and give it to my financial planner to invest. It's a great setup. Now, the good news is my house is, say, worth five, six hundred thousand. I squeezed an extra hundred thousand dollars equity out up front and gave it to my planner on top of the thousand I'm giving them all the time now. And what I do with that is I have dividends come out. Let's just say they're about $400 a month. If I have $400 coming a month to me, I go and put it down on my mortgage. That's non-tax deductible. I want to pay that down. So now I'm not paying $1,000. I'm getting an additional $400 from my investment. So I'm paying my mortgage down $1,400 every month. It's coming down quicker with money I'm not even using. And it's not even taxed. What happens the next day? 1400 becomes available. I reinvest. It's a way to quickly pay down your mortgage, your bad debt, but to create good debt. You're transferring it to non-tax-deductible mortgage to a fully tax-deductible plan. So, yeah, at the end of the day, Dad, I am going to owe three or 400000 against my house, but that's invested and building on me over time. Those are the type of strategies we teach here at Mortgage Teacher. If you caught the tail end of that, please reach out to us. You can call us now, 226-289-2991. You can always look us up at mortgageteacher.com. I'm Michael Mullis signing off. Have a fantastic weekend, folks. We'll talk soon.